Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Samsung Dex, powered by Knox, supported by Android. <laughs> it's real. <sighs> when you turn on a Samsung phone, the, the logos are out of control. Powered by uh, yeah. Knox. I mean, it has always been thus. Powered by Android. Nobody is better at logos than Samsung. <laughs> it's is very good. Touch whiz in there. Hi, I'm your friend Eli. David Pierce is here. Hi, we're in the studio together. This yeah. is very exciting. You can just reach over and smack Alex whenever you want. <laughs> Thank God, honestly. Alex Trans is here. I'm just really excited to hear Eli talk about decks. It's a full hour of talking about That's decks. That's all we're doing today. There's quite a lot. Apple has a surprise event in primetime up against Monday Night Football. That's a choice. That's, that's a real thing that's happening. There's some AirPod leaks, price hikes on services, a real theme of our show lately. David wants to talk about one year of X, and I, I believe we're going to put social networks on the Go90 scale. We are, in fact. It's just going to be incredible. Yes. And then we got a lightning round, including, I would say, the funniest recurring lightning round element of all time, which is Microsoft executives either bemoaning or being proud of the fact that they killed Windows Phone. <laughs> and the, me- the needle just swings back and forth between those two things. Right. The same people every couple of years. It's coming up on the Vergecast. But first, let's talk decks. Can I just read everyone two messages from Slack yeah. that Neelai sent? Uh, at 11.28 a.m. on Tuesday, October 24th, Neelai sends, we have a Vergecast room for all of us that make the show. Neelai just says, also, hello from Dex. And then a, a moment later, I have paired it to a mechanical keyboard. So that's the worst for everyone in this <laughs> office. And there are two typos in that message. <laughs> So this this is now this is now an important part of my life is tracking your Dex situation and in general your Ninja Train situation. Yeah. Okay. How so are we doing? Here's a, here are the basic updates. I have a Z Fold Five, a really cool Z Fold Five. It has our D brand skin on it, mm. so that's cool. It does look good. It looks really good. Putting those skins on is not a small amount of work. Is a thing I discovered, <laughs> but they do look very cool. It looks very cool. Boy, do I dislike this phone. <laughs> Boy, do I just not like it. And it's not Android. I like a number of Android phones. Android's great. Specifically, trying to use a folding phone for what I'm trying to do is not good. Are you one of those people who's like really mad about the crease in the middle? No, so I don't mind the crease. Okay. The Z Fold 5, so the Pixel Fold and Z Fold 5 are kind of the same folding display, but they fold in, in different directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Samsung went with tall, skinny, and Google went with short and wide. The correct yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, so... Using this phone when it's closed is ridiculous. It's a TV remote. Yeah. It a, just really is. It, and it, yeah. it, nothing quite works right. And then when you open it, you have to use two hands. 
Yeah. Which always. is fine. So I'm on the train. I got my tablet and it jelly scrolls. So the display controller, I think, is on the left. And so I scroll with my finger on the right. So the left side of the screen moves up faster than the right side of the screen. Oh. And so the text, I can just see it go whoop. Yeah. And I can see it. Dan can't see it. We just argued, we just argued about this in the office. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, I'm on a roller coaster. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> it's such a funny thing because this is one of those things with phones that we largely solved. Like back 10 years ago on this show, like I bet if you go back to Vergecasts from like 2013 and 2012, there were a lot of people mad about wonky scrolling stuff on Android phones. And the thing where like you can't scroll and read the text at the same time, which mm-hmm. is kind of how I always describe it to people. And we're back at this somehow. <laughs> We're back at, We're although just, I will say Neil, I just opened his phone and got immensely distracted. <laughs> the scrolling, the scrolling. So Samsung no, might be I, doing something right here. It doesn't have a, doesn't have a ringer switch. I didn't <laughs> open it and like monkey with one UI to turn off the ringer. So that's the phone. So the yeah. first part of this where I just roll up on the train, I've got one device. I don't like using this phone. I understand why it's sick as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And in that blissful moment when I've got it open and I'm reading the Google Doc and someone's like, is that that's that rules yeah but then do you I get s- that do you get a lot of like people looking over your shoulder being like well foldable phone on the train it's a flashy thing to do to For unfold sure. a phone I- even in 2023 people yeah. have seen them but you're still just like <laughs> whoop <laughs> oh <laughs> really you'd like to see me. this larger no problem <laughs> just make eye contact uh, so, as you do so that part's cool <laughs> ask for your train ticket you're just like one second yeah, exactly. let me open up my phone <laughs> yeah and you're always just kind of like in a fight whatever but that part is fine like it's a phone it works it's a good fast Android Samsung phone, except I find the display scrolling to be extremely distracting. That might just be me. A noted pixel density enthusiast <laughs> might just be me. Some people can't see it. Okay, fine. Then you get to Dex. So then you roll in the office. You have a USB-C dock and a Bluetooth mechanical keyboard. And I'm just pulling stuff out of our reviews closet. I like how many keyboards did you go through? Because I kept going in and we're, out of meetings. I'm at, I'm at the third now. I'm at a Logi MX Mini or whatever it's called. Uh-huh. They were just stacking up on your desk. It was not desk. great. And I've got a, a Razer gaming mouse, like a wired With like ultra 20, high DPI gaming mouse. Like 20 buttons on it. Yeah, there's a lot of buttons on the side, all of which appear to be mapped to something in Android for some reason, <laughs> which is not great because I'm whatever. So you plug in a USB-C dock, HDMI display. Then... You get to Dex. And then Dan, Dex expert, Dan Seifert. The Dexpert. <laughs> the masthead. He told me that you have to install an app called Goodlock. Okay. Which is made by Samsung to ultra customize Samsung One UI. Mm. And his characterization of this app is they made this app to get around Google's restrictions. Because uh... they have to ship One UI not too far away from Android. Right, because Samsung, for a decade, completely lost its mind with software design and tried to shove apps called Milk Music at you. (laughs) Google was like, stop doing that. So now all that stuff is in good lock. (laughs) It's called good lock. (laughs) Is Milk Music in there? Good lock has two tabs at the bottom. Do you think it sounds like good luck on purpose, where they're just like, here's some stuff? It's what it feels like. Look, I know there are, are extremely hardcore Galaxy fans out there who think I'm crazy for only now discovering good good lock. And I apologize. I'm just saying this is an app where at the bottom of the screen, the two tabs are makeup and life up. Yeah. And then you can install various plugins. Sick. To one UI. Did you life up? I lifed up a little bit and I installed the plugin that lets Dex run uh, at 1440p. So now I'm running Dex. Yeah. Looking good. 
Dex runs Android apps, it turns out. So Slack doesn't have a sidebar. So good. You're just like you're just using the Android app wider. Right. On your it doesn't take them like tablet apps. It it just no. thinks of them as many, many, many phone apps. No. So then I, I solved this problem by running Slack as a web app in Chrome, in which it is very broken, because it's running an Android Chrome in desktop mode. This is the thing I was about, so close to this working. It was this is so the thing good. about the whole Android and Google universe is it's all there. They've made all the things. Yeah. It's just like they they refuse to have the meeting where they're like, what if your thing and your thing both existed in the same place? And yeah. Like, we would never do that. So, again, Dan's advice to me was treat this like a Chromebook and use Samsung's internet browser because it's better on this than Chrome. So I switched to Samsung's browser. Moderately better. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just not quite there is what I would say. <laughs> you can see how it would rule. Mm-hmm. Like, your your desktop looked like a very functional desktop from afar. Yeah. When I when I last saw it, I didn't see a keyboard attached. I just saw you were using the, the phone as a touchpad. Yes, that's true. Before I had a mouse, you can just use the, the fold as a touchpad. So that was <laughs> that was my touchpad with like my little mechanical keyboard the next to it. The screen looked the monitor looked I was like, oh that looks like a computer monitor with like computer stuff happening. Yeah. That's okay, wait, can we can we get to the thing you were gonna do in the lightning round but we should just talk about right now? Which is talk about Metal Gear Solid, you know? Delta. Yeah, you can talk about that in the lightning round. Uh, <laughs> but no, Satya Nadella gave an interview this week to Business Insider, in which he, like every other Microsoft executive in history, said giving up on mobile and Windows Phone was a mistake. And like, you know, who could have done a good job at the thing you are describing is Microsoft. <laughs> they sort of tried. They have tried. With the They're trying duo. now. They stopped trying for a long time. They're like sort of pushing in back in that direction. But like all the stuff you're describing where it's like, oh, I want a thing that like runs Android apps when it's my phone. But then I sit down and I have something that is much closer to a full desktop operating system. It's like, you know who could have built that starting 12 years ago, but instead did a bunch of weird shit and then shut all their platforms down and fired their CEO? It's Microsoft. All right, let me just read. I'll read you the quote. Here's an Adela quote, because boy, does he agree with you. (laughs) He was asked, what about a mistake or a wrong decision that you might regret? Nandela says, the decision I think a lot of people talk about, and one of the most difficult decisions I made when I became CEO, was our exit of what I'll call the mobile phone as defined then. Mm. In retrospect, I think there could have been ways that we made it work by perhaps reinventing the category of computing between PCs, tablets, and phones. You're totally right. I read that as him saying there's another category of devices that we didn't do, didn't think about. But he's definitely saying... There is a version of a phone that is kind of all of those things, and we should have built it. Or yeah. we're, or he's hinting that they're going to try it yet again. Sure, yeah. they aren't. Panos yeah. Panay, he tried so hard. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen. They just get because they either have to do Android or they have to do the thing everybody else has to do, which is build an entire OS from scratch. Uh, look, I'm just going to say this directly to to our friend Sacha Nadella. If you're listening, Sacha, you made the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> It was strategic catastrophe to buy Nokia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to do Windows Phone instead of... It looked cool, though. It was all stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. The bad calls were made before him. Yeah. He was just like, you know what? The platform is on fire. Into the ocean with you. <laughs> that is a very deep cut. I'm not going to explain it, but for the people who get it, into the freezing Finnish ocean with you is basically what Sachin Adele said Pretty to much. these people. Yeah. And that's, I think that was fine. I think the company is doing much better. What I think he's hinting at here mm-hmm. is, and we're going to talk about Humane later too, yeah. 
there's like suddenly a bunch of people are like, what comes after the phone? And there's a lot of action around what comes after the phone, mostly because none of these people have businesses. Because I was going to say, the 30% people away from who them. say all of that are not Apple and not Google, well, yeah. who really like phones. Yeah, it's just there's just a lot of heat around what comes after the phone again, it comes up every so often. And this is when the pendulum swings for Microsoft executives to, oh, should we have quit on the phone? And I like a year ago... You, asked Nadella this question and he was like, that was the best decision I've ever made is getting away from this dinosaur and saying we sell services across everyone's platforms. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, Alex, I think you're right that this is never going to work and Microsoft would be foolish to try now. And yes. I think it's been foolish to try really for the last five years to start building towards that again. But I do think there's a really interesting tech history alternate universe yeah. in which we tried to do this, right? Because I think even I, if, I'm even holding if, people trying to do it. Even if decks were it amazing. It unfolds into a bigger screen. Have you seen it? It's amazing. <laughs> even if decks were amazing, I don't think it, there's ever going to be a mainstream use for it because it's just not how we've like learned to use technology. It's just not how it well, works. Well, so here's the, actually, be, besides all the little problems in the software, there's one deeply hilarious problem with this entire approach to having just one thing. I come to the office. The whole point of this is I don't have a desk anymore. If I had a desk, I'd just put a laptop on the desk and I would leave, uh -huh. which is what I did for years. But now because we're like roaming desk, hybrid work, da, da, da. So I don't have a desk. So I'm like, I, I can't just leave my laptop on this like hotel desk. Mm -hmm. But I then I have to it. get up. I know. <laughs> I'm watching I, you. I have to get up and go to meetings all the time where having my computer is often useful. And instead, I have this little guy. <laughs> and I'm just like, me, 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 me. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Nothing cooler than sitting on your phone in a meeting, being like, no, I'm taking notes on the meeting. Don't worry. Everybody's like, open the spreadsheet. <laughs> With my little yeah. folding phone in laptop mode. Like, this is the worst. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna try this for another week, just for the comedy of it all. And because I, I feel like I should write down some of these experiences uh, about the future of computing and jelly scrolling, to be quite honest. Uh, and then um, I think my my solution is going to be I'm just going to leave my laptop in the reviews closet where I found this one. <laughs> that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll, I'll just buy another computer for home. Okay. And that's the real solution. To your this homework for next week, though, is you're not allowed to bring your laptop to the Vergecast. You have to do the Vergecast with fold. only your phone. You can bring your whole damn deck setup if you want to. <laughs> bring Bring the mechanical keyboard. Bring the Razer mouse. No laptop allowed next week. You do not want me to bring a mechanical keyboard to the Vergecast. <laughs> I mean, Let's, I do. For our audience's sake alone, you do not want that amount of noise in this room. Our audio engineer would not be a fan, though. He can AI it right out. <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. NVIDIA's got a thing for All that. Right, let's talk about some actual news. There's a bunch of actual news. We should start with Apple because there's a bunch of Apple news, including yep. an event. Yep. So there was, there was some rumor buildup late last week, early this week, that Apple's going to have some Macs. A lot of people didn't believe it because we're just... It's late in the year. It's late in the year. Yeah. yeah. We have passed the point typically where Apple is commonly going to release products. And there have been some rumors that there were going to be no iPads for the rest of the year and no Macs for the rest of the year. And then Apple did the thing where they launched that stupid pencil that we talked about last week. So everybody was like, okay, well, if they were going to have another event yeah. where they were going to launch the pencil, why would they do this this way? I think it's just because it's stupid. They wanted to get it out of the way. So yeah, there were a lot of good reasons to think there wasn't going to be an event. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we have an event. Yeah. So Monday night. At night. Yeah. The night before Halloween. Mm -hmm. It's called Scary Fast. That's the name on the invite. Streaming only. And we believe it's going to be Max. We assume it's going to be Max because it's like the most likely thing. And there's been some reporting about it. The M3, we think, coming to MacBook Pros. Okay. Yeah. And potentially a new 24-inch iMac. All of that stuff is kind of overdue. No 27-inch. 
which drives me insane. I think there, uh, I John Gruber believes there will be a 27 inch. I hope so. I think John Gruber might be, um, they call it wish casting, uh, which is a term that I love very much. Uh, (laughs) I hope he's right. I really do. But yeah, the the 24-inch iMac is pretty overdue for an update at this point. And I think the 27-inch iMac is just the studio display and the Mac Studio now. I think that's how Apple sees it. It's wrong, and I hope they change their mind. But yeah, that and MacBook Pros, which doesn't really seem like it merits a whole event they don't seem to have invited anybody to this it's no, a no, purely so here's what i believe event here's what i believe about this event i've heard this theory already apple is looking at its own streaming numbers they know it's probably just chip bumps to existing form factors a reasonable guess yeah. right mm-hmm. and they know that people will watch their events no matter what so they're going to do a prime time infomercial that millions of people are going to watch and it's just going to be a weird spooky halloween themed tv show about the Mac. Okay, I have several questions. Yeah. Question number one. Does Tim Cook come out in costume? Yes, Frankenstein. <laughs> or Frankenstein's he, monster. You think he's going to be Frankenstein's monster? Like, I just want to see... I mean, mainly because I want to see Tim Cook with, like, a green face. Just, like, presenting products. Because it'd be funny. <laughs> what do you think the maximum amount of costume Tim Cook would wear is? Mm. I've been thinking about this because my, my parents are coming this weekend to do the, our first Halloween with Max in the new town. Oh. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm going to buy you costumes. And she was, she just made this noise. Like, And I was like, okay, what if I just get you like a witch's hat? And she's like, okay, what about like a mm. witch's cloak? I got my dad a big, silly Hagrid beard. And I'm just seeing how far I can push it. Like how many additional elements I can add. And like suddenly they will just be in full kit. And I don't think I'm going to get there. I think I'm going to get to two elements and we're going to stop. Yeah. I feel like you can do like hat and beard. Yeah. And that's about as far as you're going to get. Yeah. So what? how many elements do you think we can get on Tim Cook? Oh, I think he goes all the way. You think You think he's just a full commit? No, Craig goes all the way. Yeah, I know Craig, Craig goes all the way. Craig would be unrecognizable. Craig, full Dracula is my belief. Ooh, that's good. Ooh. Yeah. With the hair? Because you get the big yeah. flowy Dracula, uh, you know? And like the, the little cravat or whatever that, that Dracula always wears. I think Tim Cook is going to be more like... I want to come back to Dracula <laughs> always wears a cravat. Is it whatever that thing is he wears? I, don't I, know, I only fashion. I only recognize the blade Dracula Drake. Please continue. <laughs> I have Drake, short for Dracula. <laughs> That's what they called him in this movie. That rules. I think Tim Cook is more like the like in the office. They have a Halloween episode, and Jim shows up with a just a name tag on that says Dave. <laughs> and Dwight's like, "What are you for Halloween?" And he points at it and goes, "I'm Dave." I feel like that's about the level of costume I would expect from Tim Cook. Yeah, he's gonna wear like a full zip instead of a quarter zip and be like Dave. Halloween. <laughs> All right, but this is just my general theory here. Yeah, is that Apple owns a streaming service? They have Hollywood stars and celebrities at their beck and call, and they know their numbers. They know they can attract attention on primetime on a Monday up against Monday Night Football, and that's gonna be fine for them. So no other company can do this. I agree with everything you just said. I just don't understand tactically why you would do it for a boring event and not the iPhone. This is this is what I keep getting stuck on is like, why now? So I yeah, why why reasons. make oh, your yeah. ultra flex spec bumps to laptops? Unless Wait, no, no. Tim Cook goes because this because the stakes are low. They have to when it's the iPhone, all the analysts have to come, the mm. partners have to come, the stock price has to go up or down. They have to do. We have to be there. The press has to be there and do the hands on. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do with the iPhone. And they're still veering that towards full infomercial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, if it's just a bunch of spec bumps to a Mac, they don't have to do any of that stuff. Who was the last? I, I, I was trying to and think. So, about you, can, this. you can test the conceit 
that you can move the event to prime time. Yeah. Right. Whereas if you try it with the iPhone and it flops, you've right. made a huge mistake. Right. Whereas this is just like, we're just having fun on Halloween. But I, I think their events are headed inexorably in this direction. Who was the last person to do a primetime infomercial? Because all I could think of was the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And like, it's a good there's experience. a reason. If Apple brings out Taylor Swift and Fallout Boy for this thing, <laughs> it's all over. I mean, th- what this makes me think of is that event Apple had, Jesus, I don't know, five years ago when they brought out the all the Apple TV people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just a parade of celebrities with nothing to show. It was the worst Apple event I remember that. Ever. We're all just sitting in the room and it was a bunch of people being like, here's a TV show we're talking about making. Remember, like, Do you when- have anything to show us? And then they like <laughs> had a couple of trailers at the end, but it was just a lot of like Kumail Nanjiani being like, I might make a TV show. Remember like, there was right. one like an acting exercise and they're like, listen to the wind. Yeah. The theater. Some deeply- this was before they had shows. So they didn't show a lot of trailers. So they were just like, Oprah's here. And she's like, they're in a million pockets. Right. <laughs> and the pitch was, look at all these celebrities who will do stuff with us. Yeah. And I would guess if you're going to do something like this again. I would not be shocked if there are musical guests, which Apple really hasn't done in a while. Uh, if there are what lots if Heidi of Klum is there? It's just because it she goes is all the out. Victoria's Secret fashion show. Well, no, no, That's she goes all out for Halloween. Like, remember the year she dressed as a worm? <laughs> Tim <laughs> Cook there with a, a name tag that says Dave, and then it's <laughs> Heidi Klum in full worm. <laughs> That's all. Like That's this is how TV. you. Yeah, see, this is how you make a spectacle like, I'd on watch television. That. This is just my theory. It could just be a, a bog standard Mac event. <laughs> I just think if you're going to program something like this in prime time the night before Halloween, you the definitely sports. have cravats. <laughs> that's that's a given. Yeah. But I think the most important piece of the puzzle is like, does Apple think that it is primetime entertainment? Oh, I absolutely think it does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's right. Because you, you have to believe that about yourself in order to attract eyeballs at this time. And I think they will be successful. I think a lot of people are going to watch this thing. All of us are going to be waited on I pins and needles for 27 inch IMAX. 27-inch IMAX. There's only one metric of success. That's do I buy a new 27-inch IMAX? Well, no, if they do it at primetime, are they truly competing competing with primetime TV? Are we going to see, like, like is that what we need to measure them against or just other Apple events? Like, do we need to measure well, them against Well, there's no Monday measure. Wait, I have no idea yeah, we, how many people watch that. You see, like, the concurrent numbers on YouTube or whatever, but that's only part of it. I think there's been a bunch of interesting news this week. Like, Apple TV Plus got more expensive, as mm-hmm. a lot of their services did. There was the news from Bloomberg that Apple is making yet more effort to consolidate everything into the TV space. It just feels like we are definitely at this moment where Apple is trying to flex itself as an entertainment company. And I think the idea that it's it's going to treat its stuff as like huge TV and they're going to start to have like Apple event upfronts, I think is like not true. But there's definitely a thing that's happening that Apple believes everyone will pay attention no matter what it does. Yeah. I still don't understand why that leads you to say, let's do this at 8 p.m. Eastern on a Monday night just because we can like yeah that's weird but i think it'll work like it, it's it's going to work in the sense that a lot of people are going to pay attention because people always pay attention because it's apple and the funniest part of this is no other company has been able to get to where apple was like 10 years ago in terms of making their events an event mm-hmm. sony tried really hard for a long time samsung continues to try sony did have taylor swift i just won't put that out there that's yeah, the sony bar literally had taylor swift yeah but it wasn't good it was like deeply uncomfortable it was, it was, they were doing 3D TVs. It was not like a great time. Yeah, they said, look at the TV Taylor Swift is on instead of, instead of looking Swift. at Taylor and Swift. And she wasn't like there. Taylor Swift yet. She was like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has always been Taylor Swift. Alex. But there was like different degrees. I'm so afraid. I'm <laughs> there was so like afraid Taylor Swift conversation. where I confused her with Jessica Simpson. And that's where she was at then. You, that feels like a you, I, problem. you I'm worried about your physical safety. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love Taylor Swift. 
I'm a huge fan of the Eras tour. The the cool move for Apple because it's going against Monday Night Football would be to bring Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> That's how you one up Sony. Uh, you get them to publicly announce their relationship. So we think it's chip Turkey. bumps. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, it's it's. I like this plan better. It's Tim Cook is dressed up as Taylor Swift <laughs> and Craig is Travis Kelsey. You see what I'm saying? It's it's a very All obvious. Right, well, movie. we figured it out. Uh, figured so we think out. we we think we're getting M3s and MacBook Pros. We think we're getting a 24 inch iMac refresh. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Then there's some other stuff leaked. German had new AirPods. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the third gen AirPods are not selling well. People are just buying the cheaper, older ones. Because if you're in that middle, why not go all the way to the pros is basically my feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are basically two kinds of AirPod buyers right now. There are people who buy the newest pros because they're the best ones and they're very good. And there are people who buy the thing that goes on sale at Costco. Yep. Yep. I am the person who bought them on sale at Costco. I literally could not tell you what generation of AirPods I have. And I don't care because they are AirPods. I don't like the pros because I don't like the sticking them in the ear canals. That just feels bad in my ears. But. I think that's the case now. There's they have entry level AirPods and new pros and anything in between. There's, I don't know that there's that yet another kind of buyer. Okay, and I have seen them. It's not Costco. It's the people who buy the knockoff AirPod Maxes at Home Depot, which mm-hmm. are just in the middle of the store at Home Depot. I see. I see people pick this. I met. We bought a new house. I'm at Home Depot every weekend. <laughs> that's where you live now. It's just like where I'm going, and I watch people walk by this display of knockoff AirPod Maxes at the Home Depot. And they pick up the box and they look at them. And I, I've seen at least two people do like a furtive look around because <laughs> they know. Uh-huh. And then they walk away with the box. And I'm like, oh, all the, there's a lot of people on the New York City subway wearing the Home Depot wow. AirPod Maxes. And I don't even know, like, why is Home Depot allowed to sell How? fully counterfeit products? But it's happening. Every weekend they? I see this. They're like 20 bucks. Like David's scrolling through them right now. Okay, I... I can I can offer you a pair of hundred dollar skull candies, or I can offer you a twenty dollar pair of Zumi Soundplay wireless over ear headphones. They look exactly like AirPods. Nineteen ninety seven and do look alarmingly. I'm like telling AirPods. you, on the New York City subways, a lot of people are wearing twenty dollar Home Depot AirPod Maxes. This lady's just vibing. She's having a great time. Neil, I have great news. They have HD sound for an immersive music experience. <laughs> this is. I'm just telling you. I think there's. I think this is a third category. You've got the people, you've got the two categories of AirPod buyers. Yeah. And then then you have the whatever that looks fine. It looks like the thing that's expensive. And I. That's why, like, you you go to Walgreens and they just, like, sell headphones in line. And it's like, who buys these? And it's like, some some people buy them. Yeah. And so I I think that those middle, the third gen AirPods, like the good ones in the middle, I think Apple expected those to be the big seller. Yeah. But actually, you're you're being squeezed by Home Depot on the bottom. And at the top, people actually give a shit, and they're going to buy the best ones. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's right. But I do think it's exciting to see, frankly, Apple like continue to push what AirPods can be, because it sort of seemed like for the last couple of years, they were just like, well, we won. <laughs> AirPods are like everywhere. Everybody has them. You either have AirPods or you have the other ones. But the problem is they're now commodified. Yes, exactly. And now it's like they're they're pushing on some of the stuff. I think the new ones supposedly are going to get- They're going to have shorter Noise stems. cancellation. Which is very upsetting if you like to use Bluetooth headphones for audio stuff, like for talking. Yeah, I'd like longer stems. Yeah, I, want lo- I was like, I, that was the part I was like, no, at my, my desk. I would I like that. AirPods that are basically like dental headgear that kind of go all the way down around your chin. It's just one piece. <laughs> wow. Just this is the, a good idea. Get the Ray-Ban Metas. That's, what, that's, you should, <laughs> do they still make neck buds? Those like things that you wear? Oh, yeah. You can still get neck buds. That's you, baby. Yeah, that the, the Walgreens checkout wrong. counter. 
<laughs> All right. So that's the we, we don't know when that's happening, but they're coming. Yep. You see them reinventing that lineup mm-hmm. because I, I think wireless earbuds, total commodities now. So yep. They have to keep pushing them up. Alex, you, we've been talking about price hikes with you, I think, every week now. It's, it's like another th- one. throw a dart at the board of streaming services and it's like the price is going up. Nine ninety nine for Apple TV Plus seems yeah. very high. Yeah, I really enjoy Apple TV Plus. There's one show on it that's one of my top ten shows of all time. I'll watch it like every six months. It's like my office. I think Apple TV's hit rate is higher than any other yeah. streaming service. But it's also got twelve shows. I mean, no, it's got more now. It's got more I, now. But- I disagree that its hit rate is higher. Really? I think it has hits, which yeah. is unlike other streaming services. Is this because you watch the Octavia Spencer show and it's not very good? Most of the show, uh, that's what I mean. They make a lot of brilliantly produced, excellent looking nothing. C. Yeah, C. A show in which if you just go look at the Reddit for the show C, starring Jason Momoa, the most common question in that Reddit is, can they see? <laughs> because the show is not committed to its own conceit. It's complicated, guys. <laughs> it just depends on which character you're talking about. But it is beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. But, Are you looking at the Reddit? No. No, I'm looking at the I mean, I I honestly I stand by this. Like there are very few disaster shows on Apple that's TV. That's true, Plus. that's true. Everything on there, with the exception of the morning show, which is full honest to God garbage. No, it's, <laughs> wow. It's it's a soap opera. It is so soap opera, so melodramatic that like we know where Reese Witherspoon was on January sixth. But like that's a spoiler, I'm so sorry. It's just like, what if you spent all the money in the world to make a soap opera? Yes. That's why I love it. I'm like, wow, we're finally getting prestige yeah. show, soap operas. But no. but yeah, the prices are $10 a month is, is hard to, to stomach, especially one of our commenters after we put the story up, just broke it down and by percentages. Apple TV is going up about 43%. Wow. Apple Arcade is 40%. Apple News is 30%. Overall average is 37%. Does it feel like you're getting 37% more service? I Can I get say- a 37% raise? Got to got to maintain no, it yourself. No, only if you're bundled with three other people. <laughs> uh, to me, what's very obvious here is Apple is trying to get everybody to subscribe to Apple One. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you can see it. Yeah. The Apple One is only going up five bucks. Apple yeah, right. One Premiere for families has gone up five bucks. And if you use Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus, that's that price right there. Done. Everything else is gravy. You get all of Apple services. Like, it's so transparently a better deal to be on Apple One than to be on some other mismatch of their services. it only became a, a better deal, like, this like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because I was actually trying to switch over to Apple One, like, two or three weeks ago. And I did all the math. And I was like, well, I don't use some of this stuff. Right. So I'm not going to do this. Yeah, if you, like, if you use News Plus and Fitness and all of that stuff, it's been a better deal for a while. But right now, it's like, if you use two things... It's a much it's better, a better deal. deal. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm really I have mad. to say, there's no way anyone should pay twelve ninety nine a month for Apple News Plus. No, that's absurd. Someone out there is doing it. I mean, it's Tim Cook. Well, Someone I, I think else it's just coming. Tim it's it's got to be coming in the bundle. But as an a-, a la carte subscription, unless you are extremely committed to reading PDFs of Stereo Review, which I am, it's that's a bad deal. Yeah. Like I, that just that's so expensive. That's more than the TV service. Yeah, and you get. Paywalled news, which is good. Yay for money yeah. for the news industry. But there are not very many people for whom that's going to be worth $13 a month. Just don't see it. Right. And that, so that now we're just like fully in the bundle. Yeah. Yeah. Other bit of Apple news. iOS 17.2 beta is out. 
Yeah, this is the other thing we'll probably hear more about on Monday, I would guess. It's a lot of little things. The big thing is the journal app is finally coming. Ooh. I don't know why it took this long. I'm not sure anyone cares that the journal app exists. I, I forgot about the journal app until you just said that. I think I think you and a lot of people. But now it's coming. My guess would be, so the developer beta is out now. My guess would be we'll get some kind of public beta pretty fast. Or it'll just hit. Like, it's a point two update. It's not yeah. ultimately yeah. all that exciting. But they will probably talk about the journal app on Monday, would be my guess. I don't think so. I think it's all, all Max. And it's it's going to be a TV show. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky fast. 27 inches. Just trying to manifest it. And then we have a big story this week about Double Tap hit the Apple Watches. Mm-hmm. V has a story about how it works, which is pretty cool. It seems really, really cool. I don't buy that it can't come to my Apple Watch Ultra, by the way. Or it's my a, my series six, <laughs> or my series two, <laughs> but it it does seem really cool. Uh, the one thing that's interesting is you have to have your display on for it to work. I yeah, hate that. So and it doesn't that. seem to be super reliable. Like it's definitely a work in progress. This feature, but it's a cool idea, and it seems to be uh, like V story is really interesting. Just in getting into how complicated something like this is to make, and just like if you think about what your hands are doing all the time, it's a noisy yeah. input mechanism. So it's it's just it was neat to read her story and see all the stuff it takes to do it. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly clenching my fists. Just sitting there like the 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 meme of Arthur. <laughs> just, just furious. Yeah. Bring me Drake. <laughs> what if they have actual Drake? What if they had Drake dressed up as Dracula? That's my prediction for the Apple event, everybody. No twenty seven inch iMac, Drake dressed up as Dracula. No no actual Apple stuff at all. It's just gonna be Tim hanging out with his friends. That would be the true flex. No new products. <laughs> Just hanging out. Or they show off the Apple pencil, the new pencil. Oh, God. (laughs) Just the pencil. Death first. All right, we got to take a break. We're going to come back, and David's going to execute this idea of putting social networks on the Go90 scale. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., All right, we're back on the Vergecast, the show that we make every week. <laughs> we may have just been watching Blade Trinity. I'm still break. thinking about Blade Trinity. 
It's a great movie. It's a really good movie. No. I mean, it's a watchable movie. It's Let's, a movie. It's a movie you will have a good time watching, but you probably won't like earnestly recommend to another person. Yeah. So you're just one of those people who really likes bad things. Yes. <laughs> I like it when a bad thing. But like because thing. they're bad. Yeah. You're like, I'm glad that this is terrible and exists. No, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad in the right way. Right, right, like, like it's a it's a well made bad movie. It's entertaining. It's just not good. Like the morning show. No, see, I disagree with every part of that <laughs> about the morning show. Yeah, there are some things that are like bad and sloppy and ill considered and not coherent. Every Blade Trinity is like they had an idea and they executed the hell out of that <laughs> idea and it just wasn't a good idea. Right. Yeah. All right, yeah, that I can appreciate. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you, you executed your whole vision perfectly. <laughs> yeah, and you shouldn't have. There's not a there's not a frame of Blade Trinity where they weren't like this right. isn't exactly what I wanted. You just should have wanted something else. Yeah, it should yeah. have just gone a different way. Understood. All right, David, you this is your baby. And I believe a, a, a listener has requested that we do this. This was specifically requested. Okay. Um, it's been a year. Uh, as you're listening to this on Friday, it has been exactly one year since the Elon Musk acquisition of Twitter was made final. Obviously, Twitter is no longer, both literally and metaphorically, <laughs> it's dead. We've had a year full of new ideas about social. We've had a year of like would-be coming and going. We've had a lot of change. We've been talking about it a lot. And so I think what we haven't done a lot of, A, over the last year, is just talk about Twitter as a product. Like we've talked a lot about the machinations of the company and all the weird stuff going on. But like, is it still a good, vibrant, thriving, potentially successful social platform? And it seems like a good time to check in on all of the other ones that are trying to be this thing, of which there are an alarming number. Yeah, you but made an some of these increasingly up. smaller number. Spoiler alert for what we're about to get to. So, what I figured we should do first is just like let's do let's do the state of Twitter a little bit. A year after Elon Musk got it, took it over. I actually don't think this is going to take very long because I don't think it's a particularly complicated opinion to have anymore. I think if we'd had this debate three months ago, reasonable people could disagree about the vibrancy of Twitter mm-hmm. or X or whatever you want to call it. I think at this point, it is pretty much undeniable and unavoidable that it is a worse platform and a dying one. Yeah, but there's a lot of jackasses in the world that really like to use X. Sure. Like what I want is it to be at an 80, but I okay. think the jackass factor brings it down to like a 45 or a 50. All right. Well, let, let's get to the scale in a sec. Okay. Sorry. Because first, I got Neil is going to have to give us a speech about what the Go90 yeah. scale is. Sorry. And sorry. Then we have to I, I got a bunch excited. of disclosures. I have to remind a bunch of people what Go90 is. It's going to be a whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. But, but I think like at this point, I, and I do think the question of is X going to continue to be around for a long time is separate than mm-hmm. is it vibrant and cool and useful and like is it culturally relevant in the way that yeah, it was. Yeah, very different. I already feel like it is drastically less culturally relevant than yeah. it was even 12 months ago. Yes, 100%. Yeah. No, w- w- without question. And the, the there's a way to measure it. Twitter was never very big. Right. It was always the smallest of the social companies. It was a bad business. I will once again issue our <laughs> disclaimer that criticism of X under Elon Musk is in no way praise of Twitter <laughs> under Jack Dorsey. Yep. It was a Badly run company. And again, they sold it because they didn't have any ideas on how to make it that valuable. Clown car and a gold mine. Yep. That's yep. the Zuckerberg quote about, about Twitter. So bad company, but outsized influence in the media, in sports, in politics. I mean, the joke for years that was that cable news was just hosts reading tweets to each other. Yeah. yeah. Which was not untrue for a very long time. That I don't see anywhere. Yeah, it's gone. So the the notion that you could solve every problem by tweeting or create 
vastly more problems than tweeting <laughs> is gone. Like it's just that sort of over in a big and important and probably healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there even a Twitter person of the day anymore? You know that person everybody would dunk on. It's Elon Musk. That's what, he, that's, what, that's what he that's spent actually, the money. That's on. such an interesting point. There, yeah, for so long, you just there knew was a always person. like the main character of Twitter, and everybody would be talking about it, and then you would forget about them. Like the the bird watching woman is always the first one that comes yes. to mind. It's just Elon every day. It's just Elon every day. His the reach of his tweets has dramatically increased. Yeah, because he said, "Make my tweets." Sure, and if I bought Twitter, I would do the same thing. But same. then recently, apparently, it's gone down. Did you see this? He he tweeted something. In a reply, which is how he tweets a lot, and his stuff gets huge reach because he's Elon Musk and on and on. But then at one point, I might get this slightly wrong, but I think he quote tweeted his own tweet onto his timeline saying, bringing this to my main timeline so that it gets more reach. Yes. And it's like, oh, even Elon can't get the view counts anymore. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, it just, I don't know. Again, I, I don't think we need to like dwell on this forever, but it's, there's just nothing about that product that feels like it has gotten better in 12 months. And there was like a relationship between Twitter's size and its influence that kept it relevant. Yeah. Because it was never its size that made it relevant. Yeah. Like TikTok is very relevant because it is huge. And everybody and be- uses it. And everyone uses it. And But it's still pretty insular. Like your average TikTok trend does not break into the mainstream too much. Everybody's going to be doing that slip slide soon. Just, just you wait. Out on the streets. Oh, I've seen it with the the Skippy dance. Yeah, it's a oh, lot. Yeah. I tried to do it. Don't do it. Uh, You'll die. Did you try to do it? it in my house. Tell us more. I'm I'm at the as far as I got. point in my my golden years here where I look at something. I'm like, that's that's a young man's game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm in my midlife crisis phase. You're like, I'm, I'm still sk- like, I'm, I'm gonna try. But no, TikTok is really fascinating just in that way because it's the phenomena are large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they are contained. Yeah, and the whole user base does not see everything by definition. And so TikTok itself has a lot of cultural import. Individual things that are happening on TikTok are pretty siloed. Twitter was just like, all of Twitter will now look at this. Right. We'll talk about this. We'll be Together. engaged with this. And that for too long, that thing was COVID. Right. But like it was the driving force of a lot of that debate, even mm-hmm. it, like massive worldwide influence. And now Twitter, even if it keeps the users, the influence is gone. Right. Yeah. And that's the danger. And so the advertisers are leaving we've seen reported the users are fleeing mm-hmm. and I, I think Elon's sort of like raging against it. He's just trying to like scream his way out of it, but on online. So it's not as aggressive. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he take, he took Twitter and he turned it into parlor. He did it. He did it. Yeah. That's what it is now. And now I, I do wonder, there's an interesting, like the, the conspiracy theory has always been that he's trying to just bankrupt it. Like mm-hmm. it's the equivalent of like burning your house down for the insurance money seems to be yeah. the, the theory. I don't think that's what he's trying to do. It does seem very clear that what he wants is to build the like finance app and thought he could just bolt that onto Twitter and it would make sense. Yeah, he thought he could don't just know what that is. convert all of those users and instantly have his app. Right. He's just like, I'll just let Twitter users pay each other and then that's how I'll get my finance super app. I do wonder if. This all falling apart might just accelerate his, like, I'm going to go make PayPal again plans. So I think, like, X is already very different than it was 12 months ago. I have a feeling 12 months from now, it's going to be even more unrecognizable to what it was when he bought it well, yeah, in a bunch of weird directions. By that point, we'll all be paying a dollar just to have an account on it. And so none of us will have an account on it. Yeah. Truly one of the most hilarious. Or the European government will find it out of existence. Yeah. I, it, but the thing that is just obvious to me one year in is that the cultural relevance of Twitter 
that everyone is going to talk about it, that the news will be driven about it, that the politicians are worried about it, that you name it, gone. Yep. And I think the the thing that most immediately accelerated that recently was what's going on with Israel and Hamas mm-hmm. and all of the misinformation stuff that was happening, like the the flooding of people out of Twitter and into new platforms really took off in a big way just in the last few weeks. I thought it was really interesting that everybody flooded out of Twitter and into new platforms, none of which actually also did a good job. Oh, no. Everybody's Everybody's like, we want to figure out TikTok will tell us the real news. And there was like a story this week about how TikTok did not, in fact, do a very good job of it. Um, I think New York Times did that with Taylor Mm -hmm. Lorenz. And so like. No, nobody did. just go read the the news. You know, <laughs> the news got places. it pretty wrong. Yeah, the news also got it pretty it's, wrong. It's not been a great time, but like, yeah. if you're starting from a that baseline, right, which is I the New York news. Times issuing major corrections. Yeah. Well, then the secondary information ecosystem is going to be bad too, and I we've definitely seen that. And the thing is that Twitter, at least in its Jack Dorsey period, had an inkling of wanting to be like neutral neutral is the wrong word but it it just wanted to be like there felt like there was a level of like peer review happening on twitter before where like generally the accurate stuff would would crawl to the top eventually or or the context would arrive and you'd be like okay i I understand what i'm reading here and that doesn't happen anymore where somebody will just be like yeah this is crazy isn't it i would say it's it's like the opposite of that with the word it's almost like neutral but it's not neutral because twitter was never neutral but it was it was level and there were things that were out of bounds. And yes. the new version X is like, what if we just amplify the things that are out of bounds? So, I, And that I, is a distinct shift in the character of the platform. I actually think it's even simpler than that. And yeah. I think one of the things that is working for threads right now is that the people in charge of it are believably trying their best. And I think that was a thing that people believed in Twitter <laughs> for a long time was it was a lot of people trying to do a very hard thing, but generally trying their hardest yes. to do it right. Mm-hmm. And reasonable people can disagree about right. But I think the the reason Mark Zuckerberg became a bad guy for a long time was that a lot of people believed he was not trying to do good things. Mm -hmm. And in a truly masterful PR campaign, Mark Zuckerberg has won many of those people back. But I think wait the masterful PR campaign, by the way, is uh, making Adam compete with Elon Musk. (laughs) No, it's 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 make Adam Masseri the face of this product. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think Adam Masseri and the, the team running threads has done a really good job of being out there and being present and appearing at least to be trying hard to do the right thing. And it's very clear now that the leadership at X is not yeah. interested in what the right thing is. And so it just changes the feeling that you get from being here. Like I am no longer in good hands and that feels bad. Yeah. Which is weird because these products at scale, all of them have the same incentives, mm-hmm. yeah. which is to increase engagement and be sticky. Right. But you see Adam constantly try to thread the needle on, is there news here or not? And his answer is like, ah, I really don't want there to be. And people are going to do it anyway. But we're going to show you other happy stuff. Right. Uh, Zuckerberg this week on their earnings call said there should be a text-based social network of a billion people that is more positive. And so you see them. They're actively trying to make it so you can't talk about Israel and Hamas. You right. definitely cannot talk about COVID, mm-hmm. which, again, I think is a defining moment in the, the Twitter. Yep. This is the thing that broke Twitter the most. We'll see if the other platforms survive. But I, that thing where all of the influential people are using one platform and it's crazy and you can just yell at them directly, which is, was a delight, yeah. is gone. 
Yep. I do not think it is ever coming back. And I think that's okay. I think that is easily for the best. I agree. So, which is a good segue to our next bit, which is all of the would-be successors. Neil, will you explain the Go90 scale? All right. So Verizon started a video streaming service called Go90. They were early to the idea of starting a Doom streaming service. Credit to Verizon. Uh, We profiled it. You can read that story. But eventually, like all streaming services, it died. It Mm -hmm. went 90. So the scale is the Go90 scale of Doom streaming services, which we are repurposing here mm-hmm. for Twitter clones. Mm-hmm. But the Go90 scale of the Doom streaming services is zero is alive, zero is alive, and then you can go 90. You can go 90. And yeah. you can die. Right. Like, go 90. You fall over and die. I encourage you to read the story about Go90. Ben Popper wrote it. It's a lot of, it's a lot of telecom executives thinking they understand teenagers. I understand that. You could join a video crew on Go90, yeah. my friends. I just feel like somebody, the minute someone came out of a meeting and was like, we've decided to call it Go90, whoever that person's boss was should have been like, never mind, we're not doing a straight yeah. service. Yeah. Like, we're out. But okay, so that's the scale. Let's just start with X. It's a good balancing point to start with. Where do we think, again, remember, this is between fully alive, crushing it, totally vibrant, and like full dead. Yeah. Like, end of platform, going to be gone. Where do we feel like X is? Okay. I said it earlier, but I think it's going to be at 80. Like, okay. that's where it should be. But I think it has such a high, like, kind of jackass quotient on the platform right now that it's more like a 50 to 45 at the moment. Yeah, okay. I would say 45. It's at a 45. Yeah. Right dab in the middle. Yeah. For a I lot of people, right. it's an 80. It's, it's at, like, most it's people, it's dead. an 80. But there's just enough that it's like a, it's a 45. Yeah, my instinct would be to put it a little higher, except A, like you're saying, never underestimate the number of people who are the worst. And B, these things just take longer than we give them credit for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I spent a lot of time thinking about the people who still pay for AOL that they got on discs. <laughs> it's like, that stuff doesn't die as quickly as we think it does. We stop talking about it, and most people move on, but, like, most things die slow. Yeah. And I think Twitter has begun what is probably, like, the inexorable slow death, but it has not died. So I, I think that's right. 45, somewhere in the 45 range feels about right. Yeah. Where do we put threads? Which, so the threads news this week was also on the earnings call, like you were saying, Eli. They announced that threads has almost 100 million monthly active users. What does almost mean in this context? Who knows? But it's a big number. The number has been growing. All the people, whatever, two months ago who were like, threads is struggling to keep users, have less to say now. <laughs> threads seems to be doing fine. Where do we put it on the list? 45. Really? really? Yeah. Why? I put just like a different color of 45. Okay. Like, you know. Happy 45. Yeah. It's well, like a, it's a happy flowers. 45. Like, happy 45. Most products fail. I don't, there's That's just the nature of them. Most new products just fizzle out. Meta's launched a lot of products. I was just failed. about to say, yeah. So the, the case for and against threads mm-hmm. is that it's meta. Yeah. My immediate instinct for threads is to put it at like a 25 because... A, Zuckerberg is out here now saying we see a path to a billion users, which is what he's been saying all along. I think he's enjoying this competition. I think he likes how much Threads has made him the good guy. And I think that's going to buy Threads a pretty long runway. Threads also, I think, seems to be working. Like, we're going to get to a bunch of other ones, but Threads is... Threads has the heat. It has the heat. That's exactly right. And I think that can be fickle, but it very much has the heat right now. Yeah. So I, I would put it lower than 20 or lower than 45. I'm in the like mid 20s. That, yeah, that's that's where I am. I'm in the 20s. It okay. feels very, very likely that it's going to last a little while. But that's not. OK, fine. Yeah. I Like, like, like tri- OK, is it going to last a little while is kind of a different question. But it feels like it's it's got some legs to it. Yeah. 
it feels like of a lot of these we were going to talk about, I think this is the one. Yeah, all the rest of them are dead. Yeah. And some of them are like literally dead this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, but, like this is the one I'm ranking closest to zero. It feels like it's going to have the one that lasts the longest. I, I, I think the danger here is when you do that, you call it the winner. And I don't think it's actually I don't think it's the winner. That's true. That's, and that's why I'm at 45. It has mm-hmm. the potential. It's like a happy 45. Yeah. But it very much has the potential to be the winner. Some, But some of the decisions they've made and some of the, the postures they have struck are actually dangerous for them. Yeah. Right. So it's not real time. Like there's a bunch of people lately doing tests to see how like real time threads right. is. Mm-hmm. Even in the following feed, it's like algorithmic, where it's keeping you from real-time posts from people you follow. I mean, but the EU is going to fix that for us. Well, well, sure. The, sure. <laughs> the danger <laughs> for threads would be, at least culturally, is essentially that it turns into Facebook, right? right. Which is like, yeah. there's a version of threads that is hugely successful and totally culturally irrelevant. Yep. And that's what Facebook is. But Facebook's a lot of people a use Facebook. It's a really good business. Sure. But it's not... Like, it's not ever going to get to what Twitter was, right? Like, that thing where people on cable news are reading tweets at each other. Which, by the way, might have been bad for democracy and society. I think a perfectly reasonable case to make is that every tech choice we've made in the last 15 years was wrong, and we (laughs) should just go back to 2006. Specifically, CNN is a bad podcast of people reading tweets to each other was a bad moment yes. yeah. in world history. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think this is what Zuck and Masseri are talking about when they're like, this shouldn't be, we don't want to do news. They have a million reasons to not do news. The governments around the world are making them pay for news. They're blocking it. Like, There's a lot of complication there. Yeah. But I think if you look at the most negative impact of Twitter, it was the news became Twitter and Twitter lacked all nuance and was just a dogfight. Yes. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they want threads to be that. So I'm saying it's just like a it's is almost certainly going to be the winner. OK. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll split the difference. We'll put it at like 35, 35. There we go. Mastodon. Mastodon's a zero. It's it's alive necessarily by default alive. It depends on what you're talking about with Mastodon. Y- yeah. Let's... Because it is definitionally unkillable if you talk about the decentralized network of things that is Mastodon. No, we're not talking about ActivityPub. I'm not talking about activity. I'm talking about Mastodon, the social network of many, many, many Mastodon servers. The speed that David got there. Yes. Everyone knows I want to talk about it. No, I mean, I mean specifically Mastodon, the social network Mm -hmm. made up of decentralized servers that people can run and federate however they want. Yeah. I feel like that's definitionally unkillable. Sure. But I also feel like that's less and less what Mastodon is. Mastodon has leaned into Mastodon.social being the thing like they made this very intentional choice in the name of getting more people onto the platform and making discovery easier to default people to what amounts to a centralized platform you don't have to stay there you can leave if you want you can federate but like mastodon and mastodon.social which is one instance of mastodon are increasingly the same thing and i i don't know what that means i think there there continue to be open questions about what happens when mastodon gets 100 million users if literally the people running it can afford to do that I think you're probably right that it's pretty close to zero at the moment, but I also think, I think the, the idea that it is unkillable, I don't think is true. Yeah, I think the concept of Mastodon is a zero. I think execution is like in the 40s or 50s because because we're, we're so early in this conversation about decentralization and stuff, we're so, or in the movement or whatever you want to call it. We're so early on in it that I don't know if Mastodon is necessarily going to be the most successful one. I don't know if like it's theories for, for how to do de- decentralization. It's going to work, yeah. especially when you have 
threads just out there. I'm trying not to talk about it. I, I got too close it's to activity so close. pubs. You're I'm so sorry. So I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But Mastodon. I'm not sorry. And <laughs> David is keeping us <laughs> was, from the truth. That was yeah, notorious to activity David. pub hater. David Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. But yeah, I think I think Mastodon social and, and that concept and stuff is is much higher on the scale because we're we're already seeing this. This is something that Dan talks about a lot. He he's our our big Mastodon user in the office. Mm -hmm. And and he's seen it a ton where everybody's like, well, I don't want to be on my little servers that I'm on. It's actually more complicated and I want to be on the main Mastodon server. And that's death for that whole platform. Whenever I want to be on the main one is everybody's desire, then then the whole the whole conceit falls apart. Then you've re-centralized the service. Yeah. Like then what have you done? You've done you've made a crummier threads. Well, yeah, right, and then you become something that threads can eat. Yeah, and so I'm I'm, I'm like at a I'm like at a forty five fifty. I think this really depends on whether you think Mastodon is Mastodon social or not. Because I the yes, there's one platform. I think they are opportunistically trying to grow users on that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, they're a very idealistic bunch over at Mastodon. Yes, I, I'm rooting for them, but I'm like, Whoa. like Eugen was on Decoder, and he was basically like, I don't know how to make money, and I don't want to. Right, like. That's and I not, actually believe that's him not his that. posture. Yeah. yeah. And I think he just wants to grow the service because there's an opportunity to grow the service. But I think fundamentally they're into the decentralized approach to the network, which Thread could federate into and could either yeah. crush or flood with users or who knows. I will say this. When we're, when we're talking about all of these and talking about <laughs> the scale and survivability, we think a lot in that concept of growth. But that growth itself, like the growth at all costs, is a very like Thread's financially incentivized thing and a lot of these particularly something like mastodon that's not their interest it is about that decentralization and stuff so i think for a lot of those users they'll probably be there yeah for ages yeah well and i think part of the reason i wanted to do this on the go 90 scale is like streaming services this won't be a winner takes all thing. yeah right like there there can be lots of these that exist ideally yeah that's the ideal state right yeah that's yeah again activity pub. Uh, <laughs> all right although some of these on here mm. next one up on the list Blue Sky. Yeah, we're going in order from like possible to less possible. And Blue it's Sky? about to get real ugly. <laughs> but let's let's <laughs> it's, it's a hard drop. <laughs> yeah. Blue, Blue Sky's a 70 for me. Yeah. And it's 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 a vindictive 70, mainly because <laughs> I'm on Blue Sky. I never use it. And a bunch of my friends in like academia use it a lot. And they're always like, why aren't you ever on Blue Sky? Mm. So I want it to go away so they stop asking. Blue Sky that. is definitively where the weirdos went. Yeah, it's where like, the weirdos whether and that's a whether that's an insult or a compliment just is irrelevant. Of, All the weirdos went to Blue Sky. Just thinking of our coworkers who are active Blue Sky users. I'm like, yeah, it's the weirdos. Yeah, and that's like it's <laughs> where the shit posters it. went. Like, <laughs> if you mostly just went to like cause low stakes trouble for other people, Blue Sky. <laughs> like, yeah, and you have forty thousand followers there right now. Nice. Look at you. No, I don't. I have four. Oh, nice. That's less and it's all my friends saying, why aren't you <laughs> why chatting here more? I was like, because look at threads. Blue Sky, I, I agree, at 75. A little, little higher than Alex. And it's not even, and it's also not even active in that thing we're not talking about today that's totally not related. Well, no, they have their own decentralized idea. That makes it, like, that That gives it, like, a plus five. It's even like closer a modifier, yeah. Yeah, I, Blue, if the, the tension for Mastodon is between Mastodon, the decentralized social network idea, and Mastodon Social, the centralized server that you can log on to. Blue Sky is at the far end of the tension where they're like, we made a decentralized social network. Yep. It has one server. <laughs> we won't even tell anyone else how to set up their own server. The protocol isn't finished and we're standing up trust and safety on this server. Also, Jack Dorsey is an investor in our company. Like, You just kept, like, 
You just are trying to shoot it to 90. Just <laughs> modifier saying, it, after modifier. It, it's there, but yeah. all of these companies are going to run into a revenue problem. I mm-hmm. think Threads will solve it very quickly. Again, Mastodon, I think, is just ideologically unkillable. Blue Sky, how are they going to make a dollar? What's the plan? Are they're they're going to start. This is a group of people that advertisers do not want to be near. They're going to open a Patreon. Right. It's going to it's going to be some weird mix of subscription and, and contributions. And the, and the goal of it is not to run the centralized server, at least from their white paper, from like they're just very far away from where they started. Yes. They're yeah. running a clubhouse. That's fine. They're running clubhouse. Oh, and we, that, yeah. Clubhouse is also dead, I would point out. I was like, that's on the night. That's 90 on the scale. <laughs> uh, and I, they just have to make some decisions along the way there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I would put it about that high, but, too. They it, did a couple of things really right. Like the way they thought about usernames was very smart. Yeah. They had some some nifty ideas about custom timelines that I continue to think is very cool. But I think they're going to end up having the legacy of being like like friend feed, right? Where they're like, we had a bunch of ideas before the products took off. And they're going to be like, we did that first, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> everybody's like, oh, they invented the news feed. And there's like some developer out there who's like actually it was me first and like, well, I don't care because Facebook destroyed you that's going to be the legacy there's the already some like connector software that c- connects blue skies decentralized approach mm-hmm. to the activity pub decentralized yep. approach and you can see how that thing uh, is it's, gonna just, be des- like, it's just designed to piss everyone off you know like that the app when you need to move music services yeah and you always think it'll work and it never does we'll, we'll just see how this goes but my yeah. my feeling is that it's successful now because it has a bunch of investor money in it yeah and the the turn is coming yep all right bunch more these are all gonna be fairly quick uh i'm gonna change the order up here substack notes is the next one i want to talk about which is slightly different oh substack is a company right now is it easily at 65 or 70 so notes is even higher right notes notes is just like a long for the ride yeah. like it's a, a 70 75 for me what notes or substack all of it make the briefcase against substack uh substack's entire business is taking a cut of other people's businesses. The number of people who have started successful Substacks is not large. Like it's right. large in the context of the internet, or like maybe like the media. Casey has a really successful Substack. Got more power to Casey. They're taking ten percent of his revenue. This is a business that is founded on whales. Mm-hmm. So you just and it need- does not seem to be creating new ones yeah. very right. quickly anymore. And then the ones that it has created, some of them are oh, like. Again, large amounts of money, large amounts of subscribers, cultural relevance, shaky. Mm -hmm. The Barry Weisses of the world. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Sullivan's of the world. I I, I came up as an Andrew Sullivan reader in the 90s. Yep. Fine, right? But they've got a handful of those that are making a bunch of money. They're taking a huge amount. You take 10% out of Andrew Sullivan. Yeah. Or Heather Cox Richardson or Barry Weiss, the, the top of the charts at Substack. You're taking an awful lot of money from those people to send emails to just uh-huh. what you're doing. That's the service you are providing. They are not bringing new customers onto the platform. Most new subscribers on Substacks are subscribers to other Substacks. Yep. The recommendations thing so, seems to have worked. So they, they, they're they just moving. They're taking more money out of the existing Substack base and not bringing new people on a Substack. Never mind. I'm at 80 now. And then in April, they are hitting up retail investors for cash. Mm-hmm. in like a pre-public round of investment. They won't release all the numbers, but we know Substack had negative revenue last year. It's just be- like Substack is in a place where the next thing they have to do is 
introduce advertising to the platform because they need a big new source of revenue to make that go because they can't convince new, millions upon millions of more new people to pay them. And I know people are going to say that I'm mad, like biased against Substack because I had Chris Best on Decoder and I yelled at him about not moderating Substack notes. I'm whatever you think of that. I'm looking at the math of their business. Yeah. And I'm saying there's a cliff coming, and that's why you're hitting up retail investors for cash with yeah. negative revenue. Yep. Like that's however you think about the trust and safety function of Substack notes. When you're in that position, and you're charging your your most popular creators the most money to send emails, eventually one of them is going to wake up and say. I wonder how much Mailchimp costs. Yeah, there's, you know? there's other yeah. services or WordPress. they can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much free stuff that they can go and do this on, and it just doesn't seem. Yeah, it's bad. I agree. All right, so we're we're all in agreement on that one. I'm just <laughs> gonna read you a bunch, and I want you to tell me if any of these are not at least an 85, and then after that we can we can go to break. I have Pebble, which is objectively a 90. It died. I didn't even RIP Pebble. know what Pebble was. Uh, it was called T2 for a minute uh -huh. because they just straight up were like, this is the new Twitter. And oh. then it was Pebble. It's gone. There's also Noster, which is the other decentralized thing that Jack Dorsey is invested in. And then we have things like Spoutable and Countersocial and Post and WT.Social and Cohost. I, I thought these were all Mastodon instances. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sadly... Do we have any reason to not put any of these things at at least an 85? I want to put WT Social at a zero just because I am I think it's funny. It's I want to live. root for it. Just pick something I'm rooting for you, WT You got to believe in something. Yeah, it's my Tinkerbell. So all of, <laughs> they all have the same problem. They all have the same problem. Yeah, It's not users. It's not technology. Yeah. It's how are you going to make money? Yeah. What's your plan? Let's say, let's say you have 100 of the world's most dedicated spoutable users. Spoutable has 100 people who are logged on to it, and they have 24 hours a day of user engagement from its 100 people. What's the what's the plan? Is it charge the money? They go make flower crowns. I just think all these have a sort of blinkered view of what it would take to replace Twitter. Which so is does Mastodon, to You just fair. need a place to post. We didn't levy that against Mastodon. It's true of Mastodon, too. Mastodon, first of all, as a company, is like two people funded by a government grant in Europe. Sure. And one contractor who manages billing. You should go listen to that episode yeah, of Decoder. No, that's, that's real. Yeah. I was like, what's your arc chart? And he's like, well, there's me and Claire. And that's like the whole <laughs> thing. And obviously, they have server costs, and I'm sure they're going to grow in different ways. Yeah. But as a company, this is just a social experiment. I think if you're WT.social, you might believe you're a company. Yeah, if you believe hard enough, it could be a zero. And I, I think if your company is modeled after Twitter, a notoriously poorly run company... You've just got some problems coming your way. Yeah. I think the cold start problem of how do we get a network effect or how do we get a bunch of users is actually, and they're all trying to compete on weird ideas about what people had a problem with on Twitter. And I think they all miss the fact that a lot of people liked how drama, that a lot of people liked how dramatic Twitter was. Or at least couldn't look away from it. Yeah. Right? Like it was, it had that car crash appeal. Yeah. It's like, what if we made Twitter without car crashes? And it's like, yeah, no, no, it's, no one's going to look I want my, my Twitter person of the day. Yeah, I love telling people who don't use Twitter about it, and they're just like, "Okay, yeah." Anyway, here's what's going on with my kids. <laughs> uh, did you see Kevin Durant tweeted, "I'm on threads with a burner. Come find me." <laughs> no way. <laughs> and it's like that's what people are here for. Yeah. <laughs> like, I respect that. He's not tweeting, "I'm on WT Social with a burner." <laughs> Wait. <laughs> like, so this is threads to lose, basically. Like nobody has won this yet, but it it very much feels like the next twelve months are threads to screw up. 
Yeah. And I, I would put it just the mirror image is it's a negative 45 for Twitter and it's a positive 45 for threads, but it's about to be an election year. Yeah. A lot of weird stuff is going to start happening on these platforms. Just a lot of weird stuff. And those numbers can move, but I I think threads, their attitude about news and real time information is just the the pressure on that is just increasing. Yeah. And that's going to collide with an election in a pretty real way. Yeah. And sport and just sports. The NBA season has started. We're still in the middle of the NFL season. Yeah. Like that audience is wanting to move to threads and it's just like not happening. Yeah. I I think that's right. Yeah. The next 12 months, I think are going to be really fascinating. Like I think many of these we will not even mention in a year. And I think the stakes are going to feel super high for a lot of these folks as we wind towards an election. I'm still rooting for WT Social, which I've learned a lot about. It's got two stars on Product Hunt out of five. <laughs> okay, we that's yeah, that's LifeWire's got a great this segment has gone on how to use it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like it's the non-toxic social. Like that's great. I'm happy that there's a non-toxic social network. Okay, we we've officially Alex is now googling WT Social, which means we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> this segment has gone 19. It's it's all over, baby. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with the lightning round. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. It's lightning round time. We're still open for sponsors. As we know, the lightning port has been deprecated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people have been posting at various Ford executives on my behalf. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm still looking for a major American ship company to sponsor the Thunderbolt floor round. And just trying to will things into it. You have to make the media company you want. Mm-hmm. Neil's vision board is just Thunderbolt four cables. <laughs> <laughs> They're very expensive. All right, I'll take the first one. Which I'm the the only thing I wanted to talk about this week is Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. You had now running in Unreal. The top. It was the first thing on the rundown. The first thing. And David moved it. I watched. It was great just watching it highlighted and. In our editorial meeting today, I said there's a lot of weird passive aggressive stuff that happens in enterprise software. And what I was thinking about was David (laughs) rewriting the rundown every week. Can Uh, I just say just before you get into this, this might be the greatest video game title of all time. 
Metal Gear Solid Delta colon Snake Eater yeah. just whips too. Like, that's so good. Uh, this is one of the greatest video games ever made. It was a PS2 game. It just ruled. It ruled. And now it still looks like a video game. Like, you know, like you get new gameplay footage now, new engines. Mm -hmm. oh, it, no, it still super looks like a video game. <laughs> uh, but this game ruled. This I'm used so to be excited. called something else, though. This was Metal Gear Solid Snake 3. Eater. Yeah, it's Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. I didn't get past one. Oh, my God. Alex. I'm still in a box somewhere. The number of things that you and I just have to stream together, <laughs> right? Just on this show alone, yeah. it's, it's all of the Metal Gears now. Just a full-on week-long Twitch stream. Yeah. Blade Trinity. And I believe Pump Up the Volume is still This is going to be a good time. Everybody come join us. It's going to be great. This is our this is our We're going to start a podcast called Copyright Infringement <laughs> in which we just watch all the things that we have to watch. I'm more excited about this game than anything in this a defining video game. Are you going to take that day off and just burn through Metal Gear Solid? Yeah. Probably, yeah. That's my idea. All right, David, what's your that? Mine is a little tidbit of information we got. So, we've talked a lot about the Google antitrust trial, and one of the big open questions has been how much money does Google pay Apple to be the exclusive search engine on all the Apple devices? We knew it was billions of dollars. I had heard numbers as low as five and as high as 20, but these numbers have come out, but they've only come out in closed court and they're not being given to reporters. Like the, the access to information has been a huge open question during all of this trial. The New York Times had a report uh, on Thursday that the actual number is $18 billion, or at least in 2021, Google paid $18 billion to Apple to be the default search engine in Safari. Um, there was also some interesting stuff in there that when Satya Nadella testified, he said, and it seemed like he was kind of guessing at the time, that one thing Apple might be worried about is that if it took the deal away from Google, Google would use all of its many powerful and popular iOS apps to do things like promote Chrome. Mm -hmm. Like if, if every time you went to Gmail, it was just like, hey, download Chrome, a better browser. Like a lot of people would download Chrome. And they were very afraid that Google was going to do that if it lost the search deal. Satya said this like it was a possibility, but not that he was certain. But the Times report said that, in fact, Google was thinking about doing exactly that and was building things to compete with Spotlight and was going to start to get people to use Chrome by using its other tools on iOS. How is that any different from right now if I go, if, if one of you send me a Google Doc and I try to open it on my phone? On Safari, my phone flips out. Yeah. Unless I go and I download the stupid Google Docs app and log in and, and use that. Google How is Docs that any different? Might be the single worst mobile program. No, 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 no. no it's Slides. Google Slides. Is <laughs> okay, no, you're right. Mobile program. Google, like... Google Slides, Sheets, and Docs are all yeah, they're full all bad. Disaster. But I'm saying Slides is. <laughs> you know yeah. how every year the iPhone comes out or any other phone comes out and like this processor is crazy fast like it's all it's just there for headroom I'm like can this run Google Slides because <laughs> it probably can't my phone's yeah. gonna get hot and it's gonna slow down and crash Google Slides how slides on decks <laughs> I don't want to think about it. let me <laughs> unfold this stupid thing. all right but keep going but well so to answer your question though it would be it would be kind of like this is not a perfect analogy but if you were to like open a pages document on your phone mm -hmm. and Google just threw a pop-up being like, wouldn't you rather use Google Docs? Or it if it does was like that currently. No, if you try to open a Google Doc, it yeah, will take yeah, you yeah. to okay, Google okay. Docs. Okay. But if it does for anything. I'm saying if you if you opened any web page in Chrome and Chrome was like, wouldn't you rather use Google Docs? I'd set it on fire. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> that that like that's my that's my villain story. That's that's how you get me to never want to use your products again. 
Yeah, but also it's how you get a lot of people to download your stuff. This is true. And in Google. I bet you has... also have the Google Docs app on your phone now. I had to. It bullied me for so many yeah. years. This is the thing. They're I not. They to, don't care. I needed to put my notes in for a story on the train. This is this is the thing. Right. And if you're Google. if you're Google and you can say stay logged into YouTube in the YouTube app by logging into Chrome. I hate going to get people to download Chrome. Does FTC do something about this? And, and truthfully, well, they, they have put Google in, on trial. I think it, yes. do more. <laughs> I think it's possible that Google would never have actually done this, but the threat of doing it, right? At least the DOJ would tell you is enough to keep Apple, along with eighteen billion dollars, from walking away from Google. I want to just talk about that for a second. Google, if you're listening, I will also make you the default search app <laughs> on my phone for $18 billion. <laughs> I'm here for you. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. The context of this is fascinating. So in Europe, Digital Services Act is in force. Mm-hmm. Apple is going to have to let people pick Chrome. Google will have to let people switch default browsers in various ways. We'll just see if this regulatory in- intervention actually does something. Notably, for the past decade, it has not. Right. Like there have been browser ballots and search ballots on Windows PCs and Android phones in Europe. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence that shows that the the thing where you boot up the phone and it says, what search engine do you want to use? Everybody picks Google. Right. Here's what I'm curious And everybody about picks there. Google in large part, the DOJ would argue, because they've never heard of any other search engine because of the way that Google does it. Yeah. So people are like, what's Ecosia and why would I use that? I'm just going to pick Google. And so, and this is the hard part of the DOJ's case is they have to wind this all the way back and essentially argue that Google has made it so that you've never even tried another search engine because it's impossible. And that is a very hard case to argue when Google is like, they're just, they're just right there. Like, just yeah. go do it. Here's what I'm curious about, though. The only browser bot I could see working, you turn on your iPhone mm-hmm. and it says, do you want Chrome or Safari? Yeah. And I think that's a coin flip. And that's in this case, too. That yep. People think that that's a coin flip. That's two brands everybody's heard of. Yep. Which, which is, I, I agree. I think it'll be really fascinating. And I would bet in somewhere in Apple Park in Cupertino is Safari for Android. It's just sitting there. Yeah. Just they made waiting. Safari for Windows once. Yeah. It didn't didn't go well. I think they would pick this fight backwards if they had to. Like they they will they will bring it to Google if Google's going to bring it to them. Yeah. And they're like, there's this like mutually assured destruction thing that has worked for everybody for a long time. Again, along with $18 billion. <laughs> uh, and either it's going to stay that way or it's going to get all unwound. And I think it's going to get yeah. the other piece of this puzzle, which I think is a pretty important wrinkle right now, is there's a bunch of reporting this week that Apple's behind an AI or feels like it's behind an AI and needs to get better at AI and put it in all the products, as you would expect. And the Apple's privacy posture will keep it from going and hoovering up a bunch mm-hmm. of data or sharing a bunch of data. And you know what would be a good source of data for an AI tool is search queries. Yep. Mm-hmm. We know this because they're a great source for Google. And that's how Apple gets a bunch of differential privacy shielded input totally. for an AI system. It's on some little chip just right on the board so you don't have to worry about it. Getting yeah, you can see how they would do that was it. That my Tim Cook impression. That was good. Thank that's you. good. <laughs> full vampire fangs. <laughs> uh, cravat. We'll see. I... I the dynamic there is interesting because it might be in Apple's long-term interest to not take the $18 billion. 
No. <laughs> Said no one ever. If there's one company that can look past $18 billion, it's Apple. It's Mastodon. <laughs> Claire. Those are the only two. Uh, I really bet everyone should go listen to that. He's a fascinating guy. It was a good one. All right, Kranz, what's yours? Okay, so mine is a shout out to Mia Sato. She has a really, really great story up on the site right now called, Is My Coworker AI? <laughs> Bizarre product reviews leave Gannett staff wondering. It's a really, really good story. It's basically reviewed, which is one of the, the sites for Gannett. Gannett does like USA Today and a lot of local newspapers reviewed as their kind of wire cutter and a bunch of new reviews appeared on it and everybody's like i didn't write that and then when they went and they looked up the people a lot of them didn't seem to exist oh boy and so it seems that this was all per like this was stuff that gannett went partnered with another company who's using ai to just write ai churn and then try to like oh my god sell you stuff why don't i have these ideas <laughs> well it's it's not going great the reviewed staff is is pretty upset about it. They just recently went on strike over union stuff with, with Gannett. So uh, with News Guild, so no disclaimer needed. No, no, uh, wow, <laughs> wow! You were I could see you getting ready for it. So yeah, it's it, the, the story is really good. It's it's really really wild. There's a bunch of stuff we still don't know yeah. about this, the rationale and everything like that. But um, sucks for the folks that work there. I'm just saying, if you work at a business and anyone in your business thinks. We should just get some AI chum to get Google search results to make pennies. You should leave that business. There's a product pros and cons, and apparently, instead of like pros and cons, it's just specs. Yeah. Did it's it. Just, or, I mean, on the flip side, if you are the scammer using AI to cheat Google out of pennies, like you're, you know, buy another Lambo, you know, live it up like can. Yeah, I was like, I was like, it's going great for you. These are the last days of disco, brother. <laughs> it's just like, but that internet's ending. And this, this is the force that will end it. Yep. All right. Here's mine. I'm very excited about this one. It's Humane's AI pin. Oh, God. It was named Time's Gadget of the Year. <laughs> Time. One, one of many, to be fair. It's just uh, no one's ever seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, also have named it my Gadget of the Year. Uh, it's really serious. Is it sure. Uh, <laughs> we learned that it has some integration with GPT somehow in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it has a light called the trust light that lights up when it's listening, which I would remind you is apparently all the time. That's so it's just constantly it a little glowing. There's a little yellow light. Just, it's cough. not even a light. It's just a piece of yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this time thing is interesting in that it has a couple of new details like the trust light and the fact that it has a magnetic attachment. That's something. I sure. like that yeah. part. Uh, That's cool. It also has one of the funniest disclosures in history. So, again, you're putting an unannounced product that really no one knows anything about on your best inventions of 2023 list. Bold strategy. And then it says at the end, investors in Humane include time co-chairs and owners Mark and Lynn Benioff. Yep. It's just a tough look. Like, disclosure is our brand. We love a disclosure. That's a tough look. This product you've never seen. It's so sick. It's funded by my boss. You're going to love it. Best inventions of 2023. Well... I will say this. The owner of Time Magazine is scheduled to be on Decoder soon. There you go. I'm going to ask him about the pin. If he brings the AI I'm pin, ask I will take the all of it back. Yeah. He, he better, what else can we do? I hope yeah. he has it. He won't do it. No. <laughs> He's not going to betray the Ohana. Are you kidding me? Come on. Uh, I'm fascinated by that thing, though. It's, it's supposed to launch November 9th. There's so much we don't know. They have done this, like, what, eight-month-long hype cycle at this point? Humane. They've been out there talking about this. I think the that original TED talk where he showed off and or lied about a bunch of demos 
was in April. So yeah. we've been talking about this for a long time. And this thing is either going to be great or it's going to be a total disaster. And I have a very hard time imagining anything in between. And I have a much easier time imagining total disaster. <laughs> so there was some reporting that in OpenAI integration, Sam Altman might be an investor in this thing. Mm -hmm. There's also some reporting that Sam Altman and Johnny Ive are working on their own thing, which is fascinating because okay. Humane is a bunch of ex-Apple designers. That's got to be, be a weird email chain. Yeah. Just in general, just a weird email chain. <laughs> uh, a lot of ellipses. <laughs> just a lot of thoughtfully considering materials. And then also you betrayed me. You know, it's like, it's all in there. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still stuck on the basics. You want to call Bethany? How does it know Bethany's phone number? And how does it call Bethany? <laughs> does yeah? Does it have a service plan? How do you configure the uh, the IMEI? Magic. Like just just the basics. I just want to know. Yep. It's all magic. And it, I'm telling you, if this thing requires an app on your phone to function, disaster. Yep. And it it ha it definitely does. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to have to be 15 hours long, and it's just them explaining <laughs> how it does basic things. I cannot wait. It's very good. I should disclose that uh, we are also owned by human. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. There is a number of disclosures we could have made on this episode, but I leave those as an exercise to the viewer. No, I don't think there were any. There wasn't. Any. No, we did good this time. Yeah. We did good. All right. Hey. <laughs> we should end the show before we screw this up. If you think we missed one, send us a note. You know, we're here for it. I closed the tab with all the quick. Somebody talk about Netflix. Uh, FTX trial. Is okay. this, or no, shout out is Lurker. All right. Uh, a, a few things to mention before we close. Sam Bankman-Fried was on the stand in the FTX trial today. Liz Lopato has been there every day. She's having the time of her life covering this trial. Yeah. Never. We're going to have her on the show in the next week or so yeah. to come talk about it. David and I went to the premiere of the Bloomberg doc about FTX yesterday, and people walked up to me and were like, Liz is doing a great job covering the trial. That's incredible. So she's having the time of her life, and I'm eager to see what Sam had to say today. And then we have an incredible, I guess you could say a spooky story about someone who has been tormenting professors online. Mm -hmm. And it is one of our best layouts ever. It's very cool. Uh, go read it. It's great. And then lastly, as you all know, we've been covering Google obsessively this year, just the culture Google made. Like I said, the last days of disco. You got to put the marker down and see, like, this is the world we made before yep. we move on. So we've been covering Google and Google's SEO web. Uh, and we have a really great one this week from Mia, who's been on a run lately. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Restaurant Nearest Google. It's about a restaurant called Thai Food Near Me in New York City. Which That's is the, the whole name. The SEO has broken out of the internet, people. <laughs> yep. Uh, and she found a bunch of other businesses around the country. Notary near me is very popular. Barbershop near me is very popular. And she just went and talked to these folks about why they named their businesses this. And we got a lot of comments like, this is like when people named them the A1 Auto Shop. Yep. They're just trying to beat the discovery algorithm. But this is this is a new way of doing it. And then, of course, Google's in the story being like, That's not how it works. <laughs> Which is a lot of our Google coverage involves that dynamic. But uh -huh. the story is great. The pictures are incredible. And Mia said the food was good, which is important. So go check that out. It's on the site now. That's it. We're way over. Subscribe to Installer. Listen to Decoder. Listen to all of our shows. Yeah. Verge is a cool, it's a cool website. It's, it's the only one left. That's it. That's a Verge cast. Rock and roll. And that's it for the Vergecast this week. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 866-VERGE-11. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. 
Our show is produced by Andrew Marino and Liam James. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.